Hello there, and welcome along to Planet Sport Football Africa, a passion for sport production where we look at African football, what's happening around the continent, and what African players are doing overseas. I'm Steve Vickers in Harare, Zimbabwe, joined by Solomon Ashams in Johannesburg, South Africa, and by Stuart Weir in the UK. And on this week's show, we analyse the good news that it's now official that the FIFA World Cup will have nine African teams when the tournament expands to 48 teams from the year 2026. Will this increase the chances of Africa finally winning the World Cup? Plus, we have an interview with Nigeria and Watford striker Isaac's success on his first season at the English Premier League club. Success also tells us about his journey growing up in Benin in Nigeria and then moving to Spain before achieving the dream of playing in the English Premier League and how his mother supported him. I told her I believe in myself, so she said, OK, I have no choice as a mother, I have to support you. And with Chelsea and Tottenham taking the top two places in the English Premier League, we reflect on their seasons. But let's start with the 2017 CAF Champions League, as the group stage opened up with a few surprise results. The holders sundowns held to a goalless draw at home by St George of Ethiopia in the group stage for the first time. Eight-time champions Al Atli also held to a goalless draw at home by Zanaco of Zambia. A good win for Esperance of Tunisia, 3-1 over AS Vita Club of DR Congo. Etoile du Sahel of Tunisia, impressive 5-0 winners over Ferroviario de Baira of Mozambique. And Zimbabwe's representatives, Caps United, finding it tough, losing 2-0 away to Zamalek in Egypt, with Zamalek playing some very fast, impressive passing football. The next games are midweek, coming up this Tuesday and Wednesday. So it's now official that the FIFA World Cup will have nine African teams when the tournament expands from 32 to 48 teams from the year 2026 onwards. In fact, there could even be 10 teams from the continent as one African country will enter the playoffs. This was decided last month, but it's now officially been ratified by FIFA. It's good news. Uh, So Solomon, will this increase the chances of Africa finally winning the World Cup? Steve, it is definitely good news uh, for Africa, having 9 to 10 slots. And uh, I think this is a new day for Africa. Africa's football will now get the opportunity to really see how they could uh, win the World Cup, as predicted by the great uh, Brazilian footballer Pele a while back. And his predictions never came to pass. He predicted it was going to be sooner than uh, we are still expecting right now. But... The increased chances of of Africa finally winning the World Cup is there. But I think for me, the question would be, when would that be? I don't think it's going to happen soon. I don't see that happening in the next three, four editions of the World Cup, maybe from the fifth edition. So we're talking about 16 years from now, 20 years from now, uh, for us to be able to win the World Cup. We may get to the final But winning the World Cup in itself requires a lot more than just a talent. Uh, Africa's football has struggled a lot with football administration and preparations for big tournaments. And so we need to take care of uh, those areas if we really want to go out there and compete 
and win the World Cup. Uh, it, it requires that you really test your might against the, the best and, and the biggest. It requires that you prepare well. It requires that you play as a team. It requires that you have a solid tactical approach because you, you're going to play so many different teams with different style uh, on your way to, to the final. So we need to get that right uh, because I feel this 9 to 10 slot uh, has presented great opportunities for us. But it's not about having uh, so many teams at the World Cup, uh, but it's about how many quality teams, well-prepared teams are there at the World Cup. But until then, uh, all we could do is just go there, win a couple of games and get to the second round, score final, and, and then that was just it. But uh, enough is enough of that. We have the talent. The talent is not lacking in Africa. Uh, we have great teams, great footballers you know, playing across the world, and, and that is really great. But... It takes much more than the talent. So we hope to see a lot more support from the government and also corporate bodies. And that would really help and go a long, long way in making sure that Africa achieves its, uh, its very first World Cup win. And uh, But I don't see that really happening uh, soon. We need to get our hearts in order for us. Sure, important issues they are. Uh, Stuart uh, Solomon mentioned the quality there. And while there will be nine African teams instead of five at the World Cup from 2026, some might say that the gap between the best African teams and the best from Europe and South America will still remain. Well, Steve, I'm not a fan of expanding the World Cup from 32 to 48. I think a tournament with 32 teams, eight groups of four, with 16 progressing to the knockout stage works well. But, of course, it depends whether you want a competitive football tournament or a festival of football. And FIFA have gone for the festival. Now, having 48 teams means that another 16 countries get a chance to see their country in the finals. The reality is, I think, that most of the extra 16 will be eliminated at the first stage. Now, in South Africa 2010, I was in the stadium to see Portugal beating North Korea 7-0, and frankly, it was embarrassing. And I think this is going to happen more. And I think if you take whoever happens to be the 8th or ninth best African team, and they come up against Brazil or Germany, they could easily lose by five or six goals. Yeah, they'll have the experience of being in the World Cup, but perhaps with an embarrassing outcome. And Stuart, uh, you and I were expecting seven or maybe eight slots for Africa, so I'd say that nine is pretty generous as an allocation. But at the same time, Europe now has 16 slots, up from 13. Uh, Was that fair, giving three extra places to Europe? Well, again, I think if you're going to have 48, and based on the world rankings and the achievement of European teams... Europe certainly deserves that, arguably deserves even higher proportion as against Africa. But, of course, on population, it's a fair distribution. So, yes, I I think that's right if you're going to have 48 in the World Cup. And, uh, Solomon, it will still be very hard for Africa, but what do you think that these nine slots will mean to the smaller countries on the continent who might perhaps be feeling that now we can qualify at last? It will really mean a lot to smaller countries in Africa who might... Uh, be feeling that, look, now we can qualify because some of the smaller teams came close to qualifying previously but then missing out. So now the the slot has been increased to to nine. They would all be smiling because it's not going to be the usual suspect anymore. Cameroon, Nigeria, Ghana, Egypt, 
or South Africa or Ivory Coast, but they do know that they have a, a great chance of making it with with some good results against any of the big teams. So it will help develop football in the in the country. It's not just about putting the country in the world map, but it's also helping them, you know, to develop uh, football in the country. We've seen the emergence of of, of smaller teams uh, and doing well in Afghan and beating some bigger teams, it's really giving them a lot of chance because the gap between the big teams and the smaller teams is gradually shrinking and making it able for smaller teams to defeat the bigger teams. It's really great, and I'm really, really happy about it because every tournament you go to or every qualification you play, you always want to have a surprise. And I feel one of the smaller teams or even two of the smaller teams might just be a surprise in the very first 2026 World Cup with nine to ten teams from Africa. Oh, yeah, the chances are certainly high of some surprise teams uh, making their first appearance at the World Cup for Africa uh, from 2026 onwards when the World Cup is expanded to 48 teams. Well, thanks a lot for that, Solomon. And next up on Planet Sport Football Africa, brought to you by Passion for Sport, our interview with Nigeria and Watford striker Isaac Success. He joined the English Premier League club from Granada in Spain a year ago and made a bright start but has been troubled by injury. Planet Sport Football Africa's Oluwashina Okaleji spoke to success and first asked about his journey growing up in Benin in Nigeria and then moving to Spain before achieving the dream of playing in the English Premier League. Well, uh, when I started from the academy in Benin... Uh Every Saturdays, I always have money to watch Premier Leagues, and it's really been fun. And uh, it's really been something I look up to uh, in the future. And now I'm here, and uh, I'm happy about that. I've achieved one of my goals in football. And uh, in general, the move from Granada to this place, I wouldn't be that exciting to me and to my career and to my fans also because uh, I expect more for myself and the fans expect more from me also. And the club, my new club, Watford, has spent more. And unfortunately, they'll be, be injured throughout. Uh, well, uh, I thank God for for the journey so far. And uh, I'm believing it. from now on, everything will be fine. And uh, I'll live up to this petition right from day one. Recently, you mentioned something about the sort of tough um, upbringing for you, the, the things that you had to go through to actually fulfill um, an opportunity of playing professional football. You talked about having to struggle for food sometimes just because you really wanted to make your career. Literally, my mom was a teacher and uh, she was one of the biggest in an educated way, and uh, which uh, we disappointed her because we, we have a talent we believe it can make a way for the family. and for the generations to come. So I left that just to go to play football and uh, she had no choice like a son. Since she, be, since, uh, I told her I believe in myself, so she said, okay, I have no choice as a mother. I have to support you. And that was I was fully fully into football. And uh, the seventh thing, the other two, and then the breakthrough came, and, uh, and I'm here. Everyone that mentions your name in Nigeria, all they talk about is the potential because it was always there with the under-17 and the under-20s. Now you've just mentioned some of the challenges you've had to endure, that's with injury and all of that. How does that make you feel as a young man knowing you could do so much, but injury tend to slow you down? Yeah, it's very discouraging to compare with my age now. It's very, very, very discouraging because there's a time to do whatever you want to do in your career. There's, there's a peak now and uh there's no, there's no really no time to waste. 
So the time that I've passed is a time wasted already, but it's gone. So I have to put it back on me and uh, try to move forward. As a young player, it's definitely weighed me down. But as a strong man, otherwise I have to I have to be strong in everything I do, and uh, and keep believing that hopefully one day things will get better. Speak passionately about your desire to actually excel as a footballer. Um, injury, like you said, it's something that is part and parcel of full, professional football. Now you look at Watford, and um, this is a club that you people, you sack manager like you're wearing boxer's shorts. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's football, you know. You know, it, even the big big coaches on the world, if generally living up to expectation, because the club the club have a target. Because no one is bigger than the club, everyone is working under the club. So if you can meet up as a player or as a coach, you have to go and learn. They have to say out. They have to like say, we're done with you. You have to terminate your contract. This is football. So, uh, and that's it. But it's just uh, it's just so embarrassing to me. Like, it's I, I think it's normal, you being in the team, being in the bench, because everyone can start the game, which I understand. So... If you've been up, if you've been up watching to play, you go there and play because you're playing for the team and they're paying you for it. And so, so I'm just still waiting for the chance, and uh, I see what comes out from it at the end of the season. That's Nigeria and Watford striker Isaac Success speaking to Planet Sport Football Africa's Oluwashina Okaleji. Uh, Stuart, a lot of talk about injury there. Indeed, uh, he didn't play in that Monday night game for Watford against Chelsea. But uh, take us through Success's season at Watford. Well, I, I'm slightly puzzled by that because as far as I can see, there have only been two periods when he's been out of the team for three or four weeks. The problem he's had is getting a starting place because he's only started twice and has come off the bench 17 times and has scored one goal. Now, for someone coming from an unfancied Spanish club to a Premier League club, you know, it'd be quite unusual for him to walk straight into the first team. And he is only 21. So I think it's been a decent enough season for him. Of course, he will be pushing to get more starts. But, you know, it's not easy in the Premier League because of the large squads. And, uh, you know, if he can get more game time, let's see what he can achieve next year. Well, another issue in that interview was that of the changing of coaches at Watford. Uh, That interview recorded before Wednesday's news that manager Walter Mazzari is to leave Watford after Sunday's final game of the season at home to Manchester City. Now, Mazzari, who's Italian, was in charge for less than a year. And Watford's next manager will be their ninth in five years. Uh, The club clearly is very ambitious, or some would say over-ambitious. A year ago, Kiki Sanchez-Flores left despite taking Watford to the semi-finals of the FA Cup and avoiding relegation. I guess, Stuart, a new manager could be good news for Isaac's success. That is a question. And, of course, as we've seen at other clubs, a new coach coming in, a player he hasn't signed, and there may not be so much future. So I think we really have to watch this space to see whether Isaac's success can move on from where he is, whether he gets a new coach who really believes in him or whether he's going to continue to struggle to get in the starting eleven. Well, thanks a lot, Stuart, and more from Isaac's success on next week's show. 
This is Planet Sport Football Africa, brought to you by Passion for Sport. And you can download our app and listen to the show anytime. To download, go to the Play Store or the Apple iTunes App Store and enter Planet Sport Football Africa. Then you can listen to the show anytime on the app and access past programs too in our archive. Also, you can listen to the show on our website, planetsportfootballafrica.com, and our Twitter handle is at planetsportfa. And now we turn to social media. Last week, we discussed the issue of Ghana's Suli Muntari, who was initially banned for one game after he protested against racial abuse in a game for his Italian club Pescara. Now, black British former player Garth Crooks said that players in the Italian league should go on strike unless Montari's suspension was withdrawn. Well, that protest wasn't necessary as the ban was rescinded. Montari then said that he would continue to walk off the pitch if he is racially abused again. FIFA said that they would take appropriate action, but critics say that FIFA has been weak in dealing with these issues in the past. So we asked, is FIFA doing enough to tackle racism? On What's Up, Dominic in the Gambia says, no, they are not, especially in Italy where it's common. Our African players are not treated fairly at all when it comes to racism, and this must stop. The crackdown must start with the teams, and the fans responsible should face a life ban. I don't support the idea of black players leaving the pitch, rather that we show those idiots who are abusing the players some love. I'm black and proud of my colour, says Dominic. Paul Truman in Abuja, Nigeria says no, FIFA has not been proactive on the issue of racism in football. They need to make sanctions like point deductions and penalising teams by making them play behind closed doors. Sam Chiquilera in Malawi agrees. FIFA is not doing enough, says Sam. Let's hope they ban the supporters responsible at those clubs. Alpha Jallo in the Gambia wonders whether this is a greater issue in Italy than elsewhere. After I heard of the Muntari incident, I was very surprised, says Alpha. For me, it's going on well in the other leagues, but the Italian league is surely not doing enough to tackle racism. Fabrice in Cameroon agrees, saying FIFA is not doing enough, saying there's too much racist chanting going on. But Fabrice says he wouldn't put all the blame on FIFA. Uh, the FAs in the respective leagues are doing little or nothing when it comes to that, says Fabrice. Dawood seen Chelsea Cisse in the Gambia says that FIFA absolutely not doing enough. They should have great attention to the problem of racism rather than waiting for such incidents to occur. Racism should have no room in football, says Daoud. To Sierra Leone now, and Ishmael Saidu Kanu also agrees, saying FIFA are not doing enough. In fact, they only wanted to act now because the issue has been condemned from every part of the world, says Ishmael. FIFA has to do much more in combating racism in the world. Certain actions need to be taken or else lots of other people will suffer the same insults. King Jatta in the Gambia takes that point further. FIFA are the ones promoting racism when they don't take action or even help the victims, says King. Amalai Oyake is in the United States. Uh, FIFA is not doing enough, says Amalai. First of all, they were wrong to abolish the Committee on Racism. And second, their lack of sanctioning of racist acts is fickle. 
All in all, I think that time may show that African countries were wrong in rallying support for Gianni Infantino as FIFA president. I think Jerome Champagne would have had a much more robust response than Infantino. Thanks for those thoughts, Amalai. We heard from Sana Balde in the Gambia, who says this syndrome has been common in football for the past decades. FIFA is not doing enough to stop racism in football. If they had been, the stereotype would have been eradicated. To Zambia now, and Thompson Piri in Lusaka says, Personally, I'm tired of pronouncements from FIFA about things to do with racism. If they can take a stance like the way they have done on corruption, then things will be okay. Albert Kadzombe in Malawi wants to see FIFA taking strong action before next year's World Cup in Russia. I think FIFA has not done enough to end racism, says Albert. If FIFA had done enough to combat such things, it wouldn't have been happening. So it's up to them to come up with stiff punishments for people who are racist. They should come up with ideas on how they can combat such behaviour now, before the World Cup next year, because racism has been a big problem in Russia before. Yeah, good point there, Albert. Uh, Jata Samba in the Gambia says FIFA have been saying no to racism, but still it is going on. In my opinion, I really support the idea of what Muntari did when he left the pitch peacefully. FIFA should really look into this to bring equality so that wherever you are playing, your mind will be free to do your best. And finally, a Facebook comment from Daniel Addo in Ghana, who says, We have been abused since the days of slavery. So what's new? Forget it and move on. Chest out, says Daniel. Well, thanks so much for all of those comments. Always great to hear your views. And this week we're asking, what are your thoughts on the English Premier League season? It ends on Sunday. Chelsea are the champions. Tottenham the runners-up. So give us your views on this season. Tell us your highs and lows. Our WhatsApp number is plus four four seven nine double five. Two three two seven eight zero. That's plus four four seven nine double five two three two seven eight zero. We welcome your voice messages too on WhatsApp. You also go to our Facebook page, Planet Sport Football Africa. Give us your thoughts on the English Premier League season. Uh, so, Stuart, Chelsea winning the league comfortably and a great achievement for their Italian manager Antonio Conte. Well, it's a very simplistic comparison, but if you look at Pep Guardiola at Manchester City and Antonio Conte at Chelsea. They both came in new to the Premier League but with a great track record in other countries and Guardiola frankly has struggled and Conte has had a magnificent season. You know, Taking a Chelsea side that didn't even qualify for the Champions League last season and winning the league. And I mean, really, there's not been any doubt that they're going to win the league probably for the last three to four or five months. And now, I'll tell you, Steve, five interesting things about Conte. As a coach, he's really very hands-on. He actually stands on the pitch with the player and actually physically moves players to where he, exactly he wants them on the pitch. He's put more emphasis on fitness and gym work than many coaches, and uh, it's something which surprised the Chelsea players, I'm told. All his training sessions are videoed, and he plays them back to the players to show them how they've achieved what he wanted or how they haven't. And he's very strict on diet, no ketchup and no fizzy drinks. And uh, he's also a devout Roman Catholic who says that he prays every day. And 
you know, it's been a great achievement by Chelsea to be far and away the best team in the Premiership, and I think he deserves a lot of credit. Yes, worthy winners, no doubt. And Conte's arrival at Chelsea was great news for Nigeria's Victor Moses, who's had a tremendous season under him. Victor Moses has been at Chelsea for four years, out on loan a lot of that, and before this season has only had 12 starts. This season he had 28. And in a recent interview with the London Times, he credited Antonio Conte with frankly saving his Chelsea career by converting him into a wing-back. He started the season as substitute in the first few games, and then Conte put him on and asked him to play in a wing-back situation with a three-man defensive system behind him. As as, uh, Victor told the the Times, he didn't say to me, would you like to play wing-back? He just put me on there and told me to play and kept encouraging me and kept advising me, worked with me in training to see me improving. I've learnt a lot this season defensively and when I play against a winger, because I'm a winger myself, I understand it. And so when he tries to go past me, that makes it a bit easier. But you need a lot of stamina to be able to play in that position. And that's a new responsibility for me as well. But I just want to play football. I've never played that position before, but I'm really enjoying it. And I'm working to see if I can get better. And frankly, the more games I play, the better I get. And, uh, Steve, if rumours are to be believed... He's just been offered a new contract with an increase of about $50,000 a week. So that's his reward for working hard. Well, good for Victor Moses if uh, that happens. And Stuart, what would you say about Tottenham finishing runners-up and last Sunday a historic day as they played their last game at the famous White Hart Lane Stadium in London? Yes, it it was really a piece of history uh, when Tottenham played for the last time Uh, at the old White Hart Lane, because, of course, their new ground, who knows, may still be called White Hart Lane because it's effectively in the same location. Uh, The big challenge for Tottenham, I think, will be to play at Wembley next season, which clubs often find playing home Champions League games that the atmosphere was different and both Arsenal and Tottenham struggled to win there. So whether Tottenham can keep their good form going when they're not playing, so to speak, at their home ground remains to be seen. And just a quick aside on their win over Manchester United. I found it really very surprising to see Manchester United in consecutive weeks playing away to Arsenal and away to Tottenham and not really trying to win the game because in neither game did Mourinho pick his strongest team because his goal is to win the Europa League and somehow that means that losing to Arsenal and Tottenham is less important. I find that strange. Yes, that, I guess, is the importance of qualifying for the Champions League, which Man United will do if they win the Europa League final next Wednesday. And uh, finally, you've got a few facts for us there, Stuart. Well, Chelsea duly won the Premier League title, as expected last weekend, with a 1-0 win over West Brom, with Michi Batshuayi, known as Batsman to his teammates, scoring the goal. And Batsman was born in Belgium, but of DR Congolese parents, so has a very strong African connection. Now, under Sir Alex Ferguson, Manchester United always had very few African players, partly because Sir Alex said he was reluctant to have players who would miss up to six weeks of the season every second year 
because of the Africa Cup of Nations. So it was interesting last weekend to see two Africans in the Manchester United back four. Eric Bailly, the Ivorian, who has been an outstanding player since signing last summer from Villarreal in Spain. And the other one is Axel Tuanzebi, born in DR Congo, but grew up near Manchester and has been with the club since the age of eight. So he is really very highly thought of and could well develop into an outstanding player. Now, Steve, a nice bit of trivia for you. The last four Premier League managers to win the title were Antonio Conte of Italy, Claudio Ranieri of Italy, Jose Mourinho of Portugal, and Manuel Pellegrini from Chile. And none of them had a player from their own country in their team. And finally, Steve, Pedro, at 1.69 metres, or 5 feet 5.5 inches, if you prefer it that way, is the shortest player since Archie Gemmel in 1978 to play in a Premier League winning team. And Alexis Sanchez, who is just a few millimetres taller, is the shortest striker to score 20 Premier League goals for the last 46 years. Bet you didn't know that one, Steve. Well, I wonder who's been measuring all of these players. Impressive statistics. Uh, Thanks very much, Stuart. That's it for this week. But on WhatsApp and on Facebook, we're asking, what are your thoughts on the English Premier League season? It ends on Sunday. Chelsea the champions, Tottenham the runners-up. So tell us your highs and lows and your views on the season. Go to our Facebook page, Planet Sport Football Africa. Or send us a WhatsApp to plus four four seven nine double five two three two seven eight zero. That's plus four four seven nine double five two three two seven eight zero. From me, Steve Vickers in Harare, from Solomon Ashams in South Africa, and Stuart Weir in the UK. Thanks a lot for listening. And Planet Sport Football Africa is a passion for sport production.